Hello, friends. And welcome back to season two of Thank You for the Music, the ABBA podcast you never knew you needed. We're your hosts, Lauren and Julie, and you're listening to Waterloo, ABBA's Eurovision winning hit. Yes. Julie. Lauren. Let's just get to it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. We have a special guest in the studio this week. Do we? You know her. You love her. She's the biggest fan of our show and an angel on earth. It's Erin. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hello. You guys flatter me. I'm I'm humbled to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh. This is awesome. Thanks, guys. Erin, I'm so happy you're on the show, and this is your second time on the show. That is true. Your first time was edited out. <laughs> At my request, yes. I was such a killjoy the first time around. It's okay. You were ambushed. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for the people to hear me. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I literally lied to you and said we weren't recording, but I was. <laughs> it's very true. She really did say I that. Remember. I, have I remember. I have audio proof that she said that. They will play it in court. (laughs) I just love that you called me to make sure that the review I had written, the name I had selected for uh, that review. (laughs) Wasn't indeed a drug reference. (laughs) Was not a drug reference that I had not taken up smoking marijuana in my free time. (laughs) Yeah. And then you lied to me and said that I wasn't being recorded. Yep. That's it. So that was the first time. Erin was on our show, and now she is back for the second time, and we are coming in hot this second season, uh, maybe lukewarm. You know what? Just stick around and see what kind of temp we're coming in at on this episode. Where is... Yes. What is your ABBA story? Well, I imagine it's the same as Julie's since <laughs> we grew up together, being sisters, twins, in fact. Um, I mean, but you're like a few minutes older, right? You've got you've got a little bit more experience under your belt. There you go. I have one extra minute of ABBA experience over Julie. See? Um, my story's almost the same as Julie's. We would listen to ABBA. It was one of maybe half a dozen CDs that we kept in the kitchen next to the radio CD player that we would play as we were doing dishes every night. I don't remember if it was Abba Gold or the Mamma Mia soundtrack, but those two, one of them was in the kitchen and one of them was in the minivan. <laughs> and the one in the minivan, we would listen to on our way to school every day on repeat over and over again. And it was beautiful. We had no complaints. It was a great time in our lives. We just grew up loving and singing and dancing as if it were 1974. It was a great childhood. Wow. What a touching story. Thank you for calling wow. into the show. Delilah. <laughs> Lauren, I think I just found your new co-host. <laughs> yeah, I an upgrade for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Though I love ABBA, I do not have the knowledge that you guys do. You guys are definitely the super fans that I am not. I enjoy listening to the music, but this past weekend was the first time that I really dug into their history for sure. Really, all you need to know how, all you need to know what to do is how to read. It's true. <laughs> I can't do listen. that. Julie, 
Yeah. What song are we singing this week? Lauren, the song we are singing this week is Waterloo. Waterloo. I was defeated. You? you? <laughs> <laughs> I got that one right in that quiz. You did. Except BuzzFeed is rigged. It was rigged. It was. So we can't talk about Waterloo without, of course, talking about Eurovision. Thank you for the, thank you for the verbal confirmation. Whereas this is an I don't know if you know but this is an audio platform, and just just nodding your head does nothing for the listeners of the show. So the Eurovision Song Contest, as it's formally known, is an annual song competition organized by the European Broadcasting Union, or EBU, and was born out of a desire for cooperation between European countries post-World War II. Very cool. Which I did not know. It is named for the Eurovision Transmission Network, a facet of the EBU that broadcasted several events in the early 1950s, such as the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. So the first Eurovision was held in 1956 with only seven participating countries. By contrast, the 2021 Eurovision held in Rotterdam, Netherlands, will have 40 participating countries. Wow. Wait, quick cue. Are there yeah, 40 countries in Europe? They're not all from Europe. Then why is it called Eurovision again? It has to, I think they have to so each country approved to participate has to have a member broadcasting company in their country that more or less like represents the performer. So their broadcasting company in their country has to be a member of the European Broadcasting Union. So it has to be like within the broadcasting limits of the EBU, basically, for it to, um, for them to be considered. There are also 44 countries in Europe, just FYI. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Wurz. <laughs> you could be our fact checker. Oh, yes. <laughs> you could be Julie's personal fact checker. That's a full-time job. We need that. There we go. There we go. So each country submits an original song that is under three minutes in length, which only applies to the Eurovision edit of the song. So they're allowed to release longer versions commercially, as long as the version they're submitting and performing is less than three minutes. And this song must also not have been released commercially before September 1st of the previous year. So it can't be like a song you just had lying around, right? The number of performers on stage is limited to six, and the age of the performers must be at least 16 on the day of the performance. Something that I learned in this foray into Eurovision is that there's no, li- there's no limitation on the nationality or country of birth for the performers. So the broadcasters can select artists from any country, hmm. um, but a performer can only represent one country at a time at the, at the competition, right? You can't, you can't be representing Sweden and Finland. You can only do one. It's also important to note um, the historic language restrictions of the competition. There's originally no rules on the language your song was sung in until Sweden actually performed a song in English in 1965. And the contest was like, nah, nah, that's not it. And they enacted a rule the following year restricting the entries to be sung only in one of their country's officially recognized languages. So obviously, like... 
this gave an unfair advantage to countries that had many recognized languages. Like if you're in France and you can sing in French or English, then of course you're going to sing in English because more people are going to understand it. Um, whereas somewhere like Sweden, you could only sing in Swedish. But then in 1973, the rule was abolished, conveniently, right before ABBA's 1974 win with Waterloo, which was sung in English. But then the rule was again reintroduced in 1977 and remained in place until 1999. I don't know why. It seems whack, but... Uh, but since Whack! Yes, exactly. But since 1999, uh, participants have had the ability to sing in any language of their choosing. Lauren, what language would you sing in? Um, I would probably sing in English because it is my native language. Okay. <laughs> And the only language I'm fluent in. Good choice. Good choice. Since 2008, they've run a sort of prelim competition before the finals due to high participation. And the best 20 go on to the finals from these prelims. Except the host country and the countries that are the largest financial contributors of the competition. So France, Germany, Spain, Italy, and the UK. Those six countries all automatically advance to the finals. So it gives us 26 in total that go on to the finals. After all the performances are through, each country casts votes for the songs they that they like the most, and they are not allowed to vote for their own song. So this presents some interesting politics about who votes for who, because there are definitely some geographic and political influences in the voting. The voting system used to be just a jury of 10 people from each country, casting one vote per person, which is how they did it for the, the Eurovision that ABBA won. And they switched to a hybrid jury and viewer voter system recently that is a bit confusing, but I think in the interest of time, we're just going to gloss over. So <laughs> just know that, that they do a hybrid voting yeah. system. Typically, the winning country hosts the next year's contest, and there is no tangible prize for winning, like cash, but just a trophy and the prestige of having won the contest. So, I do have some fun facts, actually. Give it to me. Oh, they're so fun. Germany, having participated in all but one competition, has participated more than any other country. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who do you think has the most Eurovision wins? France. Italy. Neither. It's Ireland. Yes! With seven wins. Yes! Homeland! And, yes! Really? And in second place with six wins, Sweden. Whoa. Representing that yeah. Scandinavian peninsula. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Elsewhere in Scandinavia. That's right. Um, Australia was actually allowed to participate in the 60th anniversary of the competition in 2005. Because when Eurovision first started, Australia was a part of the UK. And they've been cleared for continued participation until at least 2023. Hmm. There is, and, and rightfully so, some additional political controversies surrounding Eurovision, like who they let compete, where they compete, that sort of stuff, that are worth looking into if you have the time. But there's like, it, it's really interesting because it's, it's as much a statement about art as it is a statement about politics. So, very interesting. And when I think of Eurovision personally, I think of camp, I think of kitsch, I think of just crazy singing, crazy performances. 
um, both of which persist to today's iterations of the competition. The performing aspect has been taken to new heights in recent years with the addition of like light shows, pyrotechnics, dancers. A couple of years ago, there was a woman that like did her whole performance on this like bendy pole thing. I remember that very vividly. It was wild. Um, and many artists have had extremely successful careers after their appearance at Eurovision, such as Celine Dion, Brotherhood of Man, and of course, ABBA. And ONJ. And ONJ, yes. Oh, you know I love her. Wait, Lauren, isn't she Australian? But she was entered. She was actually, I heard it because I was watching the recap of the 1974 Eurovision, and she's actually German, part German, and part something else, and then grew up in Australia. Do you know where's? Um, I was just going to say that she she was the performer who sang the UK's entry into the 1974 mm-hmm. Eurovision contest. She's British-Australian is what the internet said. That's all I got. Her father was Welsh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And her mother was German. So that's all I have on on Eurovision overall. Do you have any questions? No questions. Just a comment that I think you had mentioned this in one of the previous podcast episodes, that Eurovision had been kind of this, born out of this idea about um, uniting the, the countries of Europe after World War II. And to me, that just, like, that just means it's an embodiment of literally peace love and rock and roll and i love it that's beautiful it's a good point yeah and it's kind of like reflected in the music that's typically played at eurovision it's very like i don't know milky i call it creamy it's like really creamy music really like ballady <laughs> lots of schlager like you know yeah people just look into like feel good about something and in a meaningful way so i wish i could have said that more articulately the first time around you did great no you did awesome that was wonderful (laughs) thanks guys do you want to hear about the 1974 eurovision contest that sparked abba's climb into stardom rocket ship yes i would love to tell us so thank you lauren for the brief history of eurovision the contest now on to the highlight of eurovision whereas you don't have to thank me this isn't a conference (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like it is, though, or I feel like I'm reporting the news like, thanks, Todd, now on to the weather. <laughs> oh, dear. So, 1974. Let's set the stage. It's 1974, Eurovision. Mm. You're in the seaside resort town of Brighton, England, UK, Britain, whatever you want to call it, because Luxembourg said it was too expensive to host the competition for a consecutive a second consecutive year. So this, as we've already alluded to, was ABBA's first win. Only win? First win. Do we know? I didn't look it up. I don't know if it's more than one win. I think only. Only. It's Sweden's first win. Yes, that's what I was going to say. ABBA's performance of Waterloo at Eurovision was not only Sweden's first win at Eurovision, but the first win by a country from the Scandinavian Peninsula. Elsewhere in Scandinavia. Wow. We gotta get elsewhere a bid to Eurovision. <laughs> Julie, you could That's do right. it with That's right. the song you just sang. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
And not only that, but this was also, this program, television program, was the first European television debut for ABBA. Wow. This victory has also been credited as the powder keg that sparked ABBA's launch into stardom um, really internationally because the song, um, it went number one in several countries. I don't know the exact number or which ones, but it made uh, it made it into the top 10 in the U.S. I think it's, it topped at number six on the U.S. charts. And that's what really... Mm-hmm gained them the greatest popularity was this song following their Eurovision victory. As we mentioned before, Olivia Newton-John was the artist representing the UK at Eurovision that year. She came in fourth with the song Long Lived Love, which was not her preference. That was the song that was selected by popular vote from the UK finalists to be performed at Eurovision that year. So, though not... ONJ's preferred song or the one she would have selected she still managed to get fourth I think she tied for fourth actually possibly with Germany anyway that's not what we're here to talk about we're not here to talk about ONJ we're not here to talk about long live love oh I will <laughs> next time Lauren maybe the next bonus that, podcast that song is kind of crazy though is it did you did you listen to it Julie which song I'm sorry long live love yeah I listened to it the first time uh we talked about it long when did we talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When did we talk about it? Like the first episode <laughs> when we talked about Eurovision. Oh, did we? It was like the first, it was like the first episode and you brought out your ONJ card and flashed it at everybody. <laughs> I don't remember that. Anyway. Anyway, that's not, that's not the song we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Waterloo. Waterloo. That's right. Waterloo. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> Waterloo. 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 You got it. Waterloo was written specifically to be entered into Eurovision, though its original title was Honey Pie. I don't even understand how that makes any sense, but... Mm, I know. It's because they wrote the song and then they handed it over to Stig Anderson, their their manager, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, you do the title and the lyrics. And he was looking for a, a, a phrase that had three syllables in it, and he like found a cookbook that his wife had or something and he's like oh honey pie like honey pie Mm -hmm. but then he's like i don't have any follow-up lyrics to that so then he went searching elsewhere and he found waterloo and was like oh now we're cooking now we have something and though this year's eurovision competition takes place in the uk waterloo the song was not written inspired by waterloo station in the uk doesn't have anything to do with that. It has everything, everything to do with the Battle of Waterloo in 1815, where Napoleon surrendered. Which makes a whole lot of sense from the lyrics. I mean, they literally say that verbatim. <laughs> it's literally the opening line. I don't know how anybody could have gotten confused. But yeah. anyway, so the song was very different from kind of the standard dramatic ballad, that milky, creamy, smooth vibe that you, Lauren, so eloquently said. Mm-hmm. exemplified the usual entries into the Eurovision competition um, because it's it's flavor, it's rhythm, it's, it's performance in general just was like leaps and bounds far and away very different from anything else that had ever been mm-hmm. uh, performed there before. So they also, ABBA kind of gave 
Eurovision something in addition to just the song itself um, that was very different in mm-hmm. in terms of their performance, their stage presence, their flashy costumes. That was the first time that anybody had ever really seen that um, arise at Eurovision as well, which now is kind of a staple of the contest and the entries and the performers there. Mm-hmm. So flashy costumes, check. Up-tempo, rock and beat, check. I mean, how could you go wrong? How could they not win? Exactly. I was watching through the video of the whole performance, the whole Eurovision, and it's just so striking how different they are to every single act. It's just crazy. And they're like in the middle of the show too. So how could they not win? Exactly. One thing to add on that, um, Bjorn was quoted and he said, I thought, let's make a mark. Let's be as different as possible so that at the very least, even if we end up in like ninth place, people will still remember us. And I think people do. Yeah, and not only that, they changed the face of the competition. That's That should be our metaphor for life. Yeah. You know, that's how we should live our lives. Thank you, Bjorn. Wear the flashy costumes. Wear your flashy costumes. I love it. Last thing on 1974 Eurovision, and it isn't, it doesn't actually take place in 1974 at the Eurovision competition. But in 2005, Waterloo was chosen as the best song in the contest's history, by far, bar none. Agree. Again, how could they have not won? How are they? How are they not the clear front runner? Exactly. That's what I got. So, words, Lauren, present, all that to say. Wait, what was? What was I going to say? <laughs> Were you going to talk about Waterloo the album? I was going to talk about Waterloo the album because we've given you Eurovision. We've given you Eurovision 1974. Now let's talk about the album that came after this or in between it, in betwixt it. Waterloo the album. Recording sessions for Waterloo the album began on September 24th, 1973, and they started it off not with Waterloo but with a track called Dance, parenthetical, while the music still goes on. That's a good one. That is a very good song. I have never heard that song, but it sounds like a bop. Whereas this album is actually a really good album. Yeah. Waterloo the album, yeah. Like, I was surprised listening to it Mm -hmm. last week or whatever. I was like, there's a lot of really good good hits on this one. I think if you listen to that song, Aaron, Dance While the Music Still Goes On, I think... You'll you'll think it sounds familiar. At least it did for me. Are you going to call me out in this podcast and, and tell me, what does this sound like? You got to you gotta tell me what this sounds like because I know it reminds oh, yeah. me of something. And then I couldn't tell you what yeah. it sounded like. I felt so bad <laughs> when you called me later that week and I was like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Whereas you know what it is. You're my update. twin. Update. She doesn't know what yeah, it update. is. <laughs> update. I am not Julie's twin. I don't in. know what it was. That's right. She's better. Okay, so they started out recording that track, and that song in particular was pretty unusual because it is the only ABBA track not to feature Benny Anderson on the keyboards, but instead it featured American pianist John Rabbit Bundrick, who was in Sweden at the time. Mm. So this is the only song you're ever going to hear from ABBA that does not feature our main man, Benny, on those sweet ivories. Wait, Waterloo or dance, Good. parenthetical? Dance while the music still goes on. Gotcha. Okay. That's right. Gotcha. This whole episode's about Waterloo. I'm not talking about that. 
Okay, I got you. I'm on the same page now. We're good. So after they recorded Dance While the Music Still Goes On, they got into two other songs that are not Waterloo. And those were Susie Hang Around and My Mama Said. Yeah. Yeah. Those are also two decent songs. That's correct. This album does call the band ABBA for the very first time, but it still has... Oh, she's leaving. She's done with you. That's <laughs> she's it. She's like, I'm done. She's like, I'm done. I'm <laughs> she done. gave up on you, Julie. She's going to show the album. Here it is. Lauren's got it right there. Waterloo, the album, which is... Beautiful. One of the first albums that credits them as ABBA, but it also includes, at the very bottom, Bjorn and Benny, Anita, and Annie Fried. Although Stieg had informally been calling them ABBA with the media for a very long time, just to shorten the name a little bit. So, after Susie Hang Around and after My Mama Said, two other tracks were recorded in October of 1973, um, which included What About Livingstone and Honey Honey. Um, then finally the King Kong song. And after that, they kind of ran out of time. So they put together a few other songs, wrapped it up, Nice. Threw it in an album and called it Waterloo. Benny and Bjorn still say that King Kong song is one of their weakest songs ever. Which I think is a stretch considering the songs that we reviewed off of their last album. <laughs> so there's that. Wow. Lauren just threw some serious shade. Yes. I'm not sorry about it. Erin, during your research about the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest, did you read up or find what other song ABBA was going to sing for that competition but did not sing? I remember reading it, but I did not write it down. It's a good one. It's in Espanol. Oh, Asta Manana. See, si, yes. Asta Manana. Asta Manana was their si. runner-up to Waterloo, which was what they used to win the Eurovision in 1974. They could have chosen Asta Manana, but they thought that it sounded too much like the ballads and other songs that were being featured in that competition, you know, in that year and in previous competitions. So they went with Waterloo because it was unique and thought that it would make them stand out from the group. They thought, right? And it did. It paid off. That's right. Lauren, quick cue. Yes. When is this a quiz? When does this... Yes. <laughs> it's rigged, by the way. When, <laughs> when does this episode come out? April 6th. <gasps> Lauren. If this episode comes out on April 6th, we will be hitting the 47th anniversary of the song Waterloo winning Eurovision. <gasps> Wait, when did that happen? On April 6th. No. <laughs> yes. Julie, I fact didn't me. have Aaron fact That's not planned. I just fact-checked it for you. It's true, and I did not plan that. So when you're listening to this out there, it's the anniversary of ABBA winning. The same, very same day, April 6th. How appropriate. Wow. Look at that. How appropriate. The stars are aligning for this episode. Every single one of them. You guys couldn't have planned that better. You really couldn't have. Mm, we got words on. It's so blessed to be here. We're blessed here. to have you here. We really are. We are. So that's, that's all I got about the album. I think we're going to go through each one of these songs like we did the last time around. And we're going to start off with... The title song, Waterloo. So, Lauren and Aaron, in this second season, for this second album, we have a new metric to review our songs. Julie! What? I have some more history to talk about. Are you kidding me? 
Yeah, I do. Okay. I can't believe you just jumped the gun. Fine. Go for it. <laughs> what history do you have, Lauren? I just went through the history of Waterloo the album. Um, Just about the album a little bit more. The Scandinavian version of the album has the Swedish version of Waterloo at the top of the album. And the English version as the last song on side two. But some international versions moved the English version of Waterloo to the top of the album and replaced the last track with a 1974 remix of Ring Ring, which is true. There is Ring Ring is on this this vinyl that I have. So that's pretty cool. It's good, too. It's the U.S. remix. It's very good. It's good. Yeah. Um, And there are three singles off the Waterloo album, uh, Waterloo in Swedish, Waterloo in English and Honey Honey. And the album was relatively well received. It topped the Swedish charts for 12 weeks and hit number 28 in the UK, making it the first time a foreign Eurovision group had charted an album in the UK. And some critics, funny, this is funny, some critics thought that the album was hastily put together after they won Eurovision to capitalize on their win, but they're like, no, we've worked on this for six months and also we released it a month before Eurovision. What are you talking about? I don't think it was. It doesn't feel as slapped together as Ring Ring. Certainly. It feels a bit more intentional. I don't know. Ring Ring had a little bit of intention. It had a storyline. We're going to have some debates on this album right here. Wow. I think we're going to (laughs) fight. Stay tuned for for the next many weeks as we fight about Waterloo, the album. I mean, the way Julie sold it, it, they did slap it together, so... Okay, yeah, that's all I had. Everyone else talked about everything else that I wrote down, so. Yay! Lauren, Aaron, it's a new season. It's a new scale. It's a new year. (laughs) Here we go. Four, Waterloo, the album. We have a brand new scale, ladies and gents. A new metric. Woohoo! That's right. New year, new us. This album. We're going to have a new metric where one is always going to be I Am Just a Girl by ABBA. (gasps) the drama we are turning the tables on a scale of whack to chromatica (laughs) i'd give it a whack point five yeah you would alex (laughs) what is whack point five alex answer answer the daily double (laughs) (laughs) double whack 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 (laughs) all right lauren and aaron for this album, we're going to do it different. We got a new metric for our songs and how we're going to be reviewing them. So this time around, on a scale of 1 to 10, if 1 is I Am Just a Girl by ABBA and 10 is South London Forever by Florence and the Machine, how would you rate this song? Did you choose that song specifically because you know that I love that song? I did. Because I knew we would have fights on this album and I thought I would just give her this one. <laughs> And then we'll fight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then we'll fight. Where's What's your rating? I need to give a disclaimer that I I measured this on a, the old because I don't know that new song. But anyway, my rating for Waterloo, the 1974 Eurovision winning number, is 7.6. Whoa! <gasps> I know. I was, I was a little critical of this one, but... I was trying to bear in mind so many of the other great songs that you guys haven't yet covered that ABBA has not yet released. Mm-hmm. And I had to I had to put it a little lower. 
I struggled with the same thing, whereas, mm-hmm. except I had a really good day today, <laughs> so I was, I was caught up. I was just caught up in the joy of life, and I was like, this song is just so good. It's upbeat. You can sing to it so easily. Pleasant to listen to. And I think importantly, it has a timeless quality about it. So I gave it actually an 8.6. Whoa. Wow. I know. Holy wow. Cow. I started a little lower and then I was like, you know, actually, this is really good. <laughs> now I'm feeling self-conscious about my rating. No. 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 No, no don't. Not in no this show. No wrong answers except for me. <laughs> The only one that should feel self-conscious is Julie. That's right. And that's because she wore the same shirt as me. (laughs) I didn't get the memo, all right? (laughs) Did you want to hear my score or did you just want to move on? Say it and then I can like cut it out later. Okay, 7.4. Wow. Yeah. I don't feel so bad anymore. It's a good one. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. Julie and I are going to fight. We are going to (laughs) fight. Oh, no. I like this one. Having never heard any of the other songs on the Waterloo album, I think I like Waterloo the best. I think that's justified. Wait, you've heard Honey (laughs) Honey before? Yes, that's true. Honey Honey is the only other song from the album Waterloo that I've heard. You haven't heard Hasta Manana? See, that's what I'm saying. I don't know these deep cuts the way that you guys do. Mm Mm-mm. They weren't on Abba Gold. They weren't on That's Abba Gold. Exactly. They were not on the Mamma Mia soundtrack either. Mm-hmm. 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 So I wouldn't know. So they get lost a time. It's a shame. Do you guys think they still would have been big if they had not won Eurovision? No. Or if they had taken Hasa to Eurovision? No. Nope. No. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that they would have struggled to to break out of Scandinavia, especially because they were like, we really want to get into the UK. And I think that's where the key was, was like making it big in the UK market. And I don't think that they could have done that without winning Eurovision or maybe at least like, at least being on Eurovision. But can we talk about some of the elements of this song that made it a 7.6 and an 8.6 and a 7.5? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Lauren, do you want to start us off since you had... Yes. Let's start at the top of the song, the intro. I said, yes, this is what a wall of sound should sound like. This is the better version of People Need Love. This, maybe not better version, but this is, this does successfully what People Need Love is trying to do. Agreed. It did it better. It did it better. It's a strong statement, but I totally agree. Thank you. Thank you, Wurz. I really liked the like accents that the piano has during the bit or during this intro bit because like the guitar is going so hard but then to have just like the piano going dun dun is a little bit more grounding I think instead of just running away with the guitar. Yeah, I noted that as well that the piano had a percussive element to it not just mm-hmm. a melody to it. It the piano in this song, I didn't think was very smooth. It it brought the energy to the song, I thought. It was punchy, yeah. Yes, that's a good yes. way to say it. Punctuating the song. Yes. Yes. That was probably my favorite part, was just how much, yes, just how much the piano really delivered in this song. Did you notice too, Aaron, that it was a bit more staccato during 
the chorus and then it kind of smoothed out during the verses. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. It was much crisper, I felt. Why do you think that is? Is that because they wanted to bring more energy during the chorus and bring it up? Or what do you think? That seems like it would make sense. Because I feel like maybe this isn't true in in all songs, but um, in a song like this, the lyrics in the verses are more important to whatever their message is, whatever story they're trying to tell. And the chorus is, you know, it gets repeated and it's maybe easier to sing to and remember. And therefore, honestly, the staccato, the crispness, the the punchiness of that piano in the chorus almost helps to make it more memorable in the chorus um, because you're associating with those sounds that the instrument is making. And then in the verses, you're right, it's much more fluid. It kind of flows between the keys, between the notes much more easily. And it's meant to move you along in the song to the next chorus, which is that next punchline, right? Yeah. Yes, Imran. Thank you for completing that thought. I tried to envision the song without those really harsh, like, my, mind, dun, dun. And it's just, it feels stale, I think, without them. So it, it keeps the song really fresh and energetic. And it, like you said, it drives the song forward without, like, taking over the song, I guess. It's just an accent in the song, but I, it, I think it makes the song what it is, definitely. And also having it at the beginning of the song, that repetition is a great tool to get people to respond to your music and to wake up Mm -hmm. and say, Mm -hmm. hey, we're putting on a show. You better enjoy it. Feel this energy that we're putting out here. I love that. Right. And we've talked about it before where like ABBA performs really, really well live. So them going into writing this song, knowing that they're going to perform it live and having the intention of performing it live, I think lends itself to that to like writing a song that's really energetic and really I guess interactive like the dun duns always made me want to like dance you know it's those percussive moments that are they're really harsh I don't know it makes me want to just like whip my head back and forth like dun 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 bum bum yes yes and right before the chorus how could I ever refuse is also very fun and very percussive. It's the pose strike moment. So well done, Benny. Yes, very well done. You touched upon Mm -hmm. this, Lauren, that this song was meant to be sung to a live audience. Yes. They also add to that with the clapping that comes in during the chorus that keeps time with the beat. Oh, is there clapping? Yes. The clapping comes in during the chorus. That's your higher energy moments, and it encourages the excitement surrounding the song at one minute 54 seconds though the clapping sounds like it resets or it isn't in time with the rest of the clapping that happens afterwards there's a little hiccup there and i think it was because they might have had to reset the clapping backtrack for the final courses because in the beginning of the song the clapping only takes place in the choruses not in the verses and then at the end of the song at one minute 54 seconds it has to reset because you have multiple choruses at the end of the song so that could be it or it could have just been a little flub or i'm just hearing things but that's at one minute 54 seconds Hmm. yeah there is something interesting that goes on i'm not sure what it is also oh go ahead lauren no you do it you do i was just gonna say the the one gripe that i do have with this song is that 
in the album version, they do a classic fade out, right? It just floats away into the nothingness. But in Eurovision, they end it so triumphantly on a high note. And I think it suits the song so much better. And I wish that they had done that in the album version. Just because it's a better ending and it's like a definitive ending. And it's, like I said, a triumphant ending. So I wish that they had done that in the album. Do you think that they did it that way because they knew they were going to win? Or just because it was a live performance and that's how you would end it live as opposed to fading it out on an album? Um, Probably because it was live. Probably because like they have a conductor and a whole orchestra, you know, many, many pieces of, of people playing instruments that it's easier to just end on a high note. It brings everyone together at the end. And, and, it, and that's memorable, right? If you're going in the middle of the pack for the lineup like you want to end your song powerfully because you want people to remember it and you want them to vote for you you don't want to just peter away because then people are as you're fading away people are already looking forward to the next song very true good point thank you did anybody else notice at two minutes 20 seconds and pretty much from then till the end of the song there's a little bit of a rapid repetition of a single note or a pair of notes on the piano no that part no faster faster yeah it's like a it's kind of like a trilling two minutes 20 seconds oh yeah yeah yes it's when the saxophone is going that is called a tremolo nice which is a rapid repetition of a single note or a pair of notes and words i'm sorry i couldn't give you a piano glissando in this one i tried no i searched i could not find one so the best i've got for you is this tremolo thank you so what do you what do you guys say was this a good start to the waterloo album with waterloo oh heck yeah yes 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 a resounding yes from lauren a resounding yes from me. <laughs> I love the chorus in this song. It's so catchy. But underneath the chorus, there's these bass lines that are happening, especially when they're singing, I was defeated, you won the war. And the way that I envision this is that like the bass is climbing kind of stairs three times throughout the chorus. So it's playing notes like, bum, 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 bum. And then uh, like two beats later, it's playing like the second note of that four note phrase and going bum 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 and then the third time it does it, it plays the third note of the first four note phrase and bum 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 i don't know if there's a musical term for that uh but it seems to be like the backbone that the chorus is built on it's very very subtle but it definitely subliminally like defines what the chorus is i think it's really interesting what do you think that means Aaron. are you her therapist (laughs) (laughs) well we got her on the show i want to give her her money's worth yeah true her publicist didn't call us up and say get her on the show if she's not gonna talk i'm gonna get her to talk (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea i don't have anything to add it is interesting but i don't have any idea what it means cool so i really like that the saxophone Mm. amazing shreds it Lauren, what song in Ring Ring featured the sax? Wasn't there one or two? And this, well, this is a much more success, successful song with the saxophone featured. Saxophone is my second favorite part after the piano. It is interesting, though, that they included the saxophone on this song. Did they have it during the live Eurovision? Mm-hmm. They had a whole orchestra. 
But yes, the saxophone was there during the during Eurovision. Does anybody else feel like there's this uh, this song is trying to be both a rock and roll song and a jazzy kind of song? I see it more pop and rock, I think. Mm. In the sense that I get too is that they are trying to emulate the um the glam rock bands that were popular at the time in the US. So like a little bit like Bowie, Kiss and and bands like that, especially in their costumes. I think that's that's where their costumes were kind of taken from and their stage presence was taken from. But where do you get the jazz from? I guess the sax and then I don't know. I get Billy Joel vibes from this. It has like a a swinging, a pendulum kind of motion to it, I think, too. There is also, and this might fit in well with your jazz theory, Julie, um, but when they say always repeating itself and the piano goes bum, 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 Mm -hmm. they could have just done bum, 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 Mm -hmm. bum, you know what I mean? Like they could have just done five beats in a row, but they omitted that middle beat on purpose, right? which I think is like the right artistic choice to make, but it definitely was a choice. And I think that that fits a little bit into your jazz, you know, it's a little bit more freeform feeling. Right. They have thoughtful rests Mm -hmm. and thoughtful elongated notes, which is definitely jazz. I feel good about that now. (laughs) The lyrics and the message of the song we should talk about. I think it is so far that we've listened to on the show the cleverest song lyrically the most advanced song and maybe that's because because stig wrote them as opposed to benny and bjorn but like i said it's timeless it's relatable you can sing to it like the lyrics are easy the notes are easy there's not like a ton of meat lyrically uh, because most of it's chorus and it repeats itself but i think the lyrics that are there are really good and are pretty succinct and help you you know immediately get the message and understand right um like the first line at Waterloo, Napoleon was... No, hold on. I don't know. What are the lyrics? Napoleon did, did surrender. surrender. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I have met my destiny in quite a similar way. Oh, yes. Like, that sets up the whole song. You know immediately what's happening. You know immediately what's what it's about. And the analogies run, run throughout, too. And I think in a tasteful way, without being too obvious or too factual, I guess. Right. They make sense. They make sense. Yes, thank you. They make sense and they tell a story. Could anyone tell that they were Swedish? Where's No? Napoleon? I don't know what a Swedish accent sounds like. I couldn't differentiate it from many other European accents. Mm. For me, it was only the word destiny. And they say, destiny. And it's so cute. But it has like a really good cadence to it too. It's a little staccato and it matches that energy of the piano. hit me with napoleon because mm. they enunciate the vowels and they hold the vowels a little bit longer napoleon didn't surrender and then when they say i feel like i win when i lose lose the s is soft it's not lose it's not lose <laughs> water lose water lose <laughs> but that being said their english is very very good it is yes very good agreed this is a great start to this Waterloo album. Did you watch the music video? No. Kind of crazy, but not really that crazy. The first intro, it just like zooms in really fast on this bust of Napoleon with a white background. 
And then it's just the four of them standing next to each other, singing and, and playing their instruments on a white background. <laughs> it's cute. Anyway, what do you say, Lauren and Aaron? Should we take a break? And then when we get back, we will dive right into our PB and jams for this week. That sounds great. But first, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you join our Patreon. Words is there, and she loves it. I am. You guys should come join me. I am a super trooper, and I need I need some friends. Words, what's your favorite part of our Patreon? Definitely the bonus podcast. The bonus podcast episodes are my absolute yes. favorite. As much as I love the regular episodes that you guys make available to the listening public, I like to hear your guys' take and history on songs that are not made famous by ABBA. That's great to hear. But the stickers are pretty good, too. Yes. So if you're a fan of bonus episodes <laughs> and stickers, you can find us at patreon.com slash tyftm. Yeah. We would like for you all to become a Swedish meatball or a super trooper, whichever you're fancy. Now back to the show! Back to the show! Here we go. PB and Jim, season two. Who's up first? Ladies first. Where's? Should we let our guest go first? Do you want to go first? Or do you want one of us to go first? Are you nervous? I want someone else to go first. Okay. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> He's so cute. He's so cute. Okay, I'll go first. Julie, where's? In honor of this season two premiere extravaganza and where's being on the show, I had to choose a song that we heard together live for the first time what is it so i've chosen the song busy earning by jungle no you did not i did why did you i picked a song by jungle also (laughs) (laughs) julie are you kidding me I literally told you a couple weeks ago that I was saving Jungle for this episode. No, you didn't. I literally <laughs> said those words to you. No, no. I have probably taped proof. I will play this podcast in court. <laughs> now I don't want to go. Lauren. I'll tell you, though, I did have a really, really hard time choosing which Jungle song I wanted as my jam because they just have so many good songs. Four out of the top five of my most played songs from 2019 were from their 2018 album, Forever. So I almost chose the song, Pray, with its incredible, swirling, dreamlike piano. I almost chose the song, Heavy California, with its laid-back beats and harmonious chorus. But I decided I had to choose Busy Earning because it was my first foray into Jungle. And I think it pulls together all the aspects of Jungle that makes the band who they are. Like, the synth in the song is is absolutely incredible. The bass tones of the synth that carry throughout and the notes that sound like a monkey. It sounds like a monkey, but, like, artistically and musically, it's just amazing. It comes and it goes and it hits really hard during the chorus, has a super catchy melody. It's got funk. It's got lots of voices. It's got lots of synth. It's so full. It's so warm sounding. It's just an incredible song classic jungle julie is your song off of their album forever or is it off of their album jungle it's the yellow one that's forever okay lauren so do you want do you, i have a runner-up if you want me to do this it? is embarrassing <laughs> do you realize this is embarrassing for our listeners 
<laughs> we're gonna make this new album and the top two songs are both gonna be jungle songs oh my gosh this i'm is... kidding this is amazing <laughs> do you want me to do my other one i have another one no no do your jungle one do your jungle okay. one okay unless where's wants to go in the middle where's do you want to do you want to be in the middle or do you want me to go and save the best for last i'm gonna save the best for last yeah that's (laughs) what it is that's right that's right that's right yep there we go that's the kind of energy we have here in the studio my pb and jam for this week is also by jungle and it is called casio good one now lauren what you neglected to mention about jungle is that they started out as a pair of childhood friends from london then they added a whole crap ton of musicians expanded to a seven-piece band and all that was just so then they could perform live with the amount of energy the amount of aesthetic and artistic elements that they are known for nowadays this is why we can't have the same song and i can't go first Mm. so you're just gonna one-up me no yes always so season two this is julie's podcast no please continue we're coming in lukewarm (laughs) there's gonna be a lot of cutting on this one God. It's going to be a really good episode, though. So the reason why they expanded to a seven-piece band was in order to challenge them themselves. They wanted to resist the temptation of simply reproducing their own music from their laptops when they've got a live show going. No, screw that. They want a whole big band going. They want instruments flying all over the place to create this more full and organic live experience. And since all three of us have seen Jungle Live and experienced it firsthand, would you or would you not agree that that is a darn good show? It was so entertaining. It was a really, really good show. I don't think I listened to them before we went, and I was so surprised. They were, they were, were they the first ones on? No, it was Robert DeLong. They might have been second, though. Yeah. Anyway, they were a pleasant surprise, though. They were one of the very, very pleasant though. surprise. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. But this this song is such a jam. It's got great bass grooves. It's velvety. It's groovy. And it's got this 1970s funk style to it. And it's just good. It's kind of Bee Gees-like. It's so good. I love these cats. Mm, I've been really into the Bee Gees recently, too. I know you have. That's my PB and Jam from Jungle also. Whereas, did you choose a Jungle Jam as well? I did not. Oh, good. I did not choose a jungle jam. I went in a very different direction. Good. Um, this was a song that we like to listen to music when we're making breakfast in the mornings on the weekends. Aww. And what we used to do was we used to tell our um, Google Home to play just like breakfast making music and it would create something for us. Um, but it, it doesn't do that anymore now that Google Music is, is basically done away with. But um, we were looking for that same kind of vibe we used to get, which was very, like, R&B kind of soulful, jazzy, funky 
vibes. Very easy listening mm-hmm. um, kind of stuff. And this one um, was one that I was already familiar with that I was trying to kind of recreate that that same feeling by playing this one and then just putting it on shuffle. Um, and this song is You Don't Know by Leon Bridges. You don't know that you got me feeling Leon is good. Leon is great. I was going to say, I, if you guys haven't listened to it, you have to. Yes. <laughs> I've listened to this album, but I don't remember this song. I like it. Tell us about it. Well, I can't tell you that much about the, the album, but the, or this song specifically, but this album was the one that finally, the album in general was the one or this uh, one of the singles off of it was the one that finally won Leon Bridges' uh, Grammy acclaim. Mm. Um, it came out in 2018. He is—he's uh, just great. He's that perfect like modern R&B in my R&B soul kind of combination in in my opinion, um, where he like makes that sound and and those kind of. Um, vibes and instruments and those kind of things very relatable for a much younger audience which i love especially like this song is a really great example of it because it's just like it makes you want to dance and it's really groovy and funky and i just love it it's so relatable but it gives you a taste of that kind of sam cook otis redding vibe at the same time it speaks to my old soul it's so good but I'm not an old soul. I don't know. It speaks to my old soul and my like youth at heart. And it makes you want to dance, much like Waterloo. So that's that's my PB and Jam this week. Yes. Yeah, Ren. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> oh. Wow. Julie and I are so basic we chose the same band. <laughs> Yours is the standout. Oh word. my gosh, she knocked it right out of the park. Holy I just wanted to be different, but also, I don't know, something that is, he's pretty mainstream, or at least I think so. Like, mm-hmm. he's hes a well-known name. So, something that people would very easily find, but mm-hmm. something that they may not have heard of before, or ha- not, may not have actually listened to his work Good before. stuff. I like that one. That's, That's a, a good, good one. Good song. Holy. Another <gasps> recommendation from... The same yes, album yes. is If It Feels Good, parentheses, then it must be, close parentheses. Very similar vibe, also like very dancey, but like the lyrics are kind of saucy and I like it. <laughs> saucy, but she uh-huh. likes uh-huh. it. Saucy, but she likes it. That's a good one. Yeah. But those two, and they're right back to back on the album too, so it's like you just go from one right into the other, and you're like, "Oh, there's some shoulder action." <gasps> yes, Aaron. I was telling Lauren this the other day. It just makes me want to dance with my shoulders. Yes. See, Wurz has got that old soul, but she's got that new booty that's like to dance. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what I was getting at before when I fumbled over my words. I like to dance. Oh gosh. I like to dance two words, 
when there's not a pandemic, let's go to a live show. I don't care who. Let's just go and dance. Me and you and Julie can drive us there and <laughs> and, and we'll dance. <laughs> Guys, I just want to dance. It'll be like the kerfuffle. Yes. Aaron, say that. I've got an old soul but a new booty to dance. I have an old soul, <laughs> but I got a booty that likes to dance. Yes! <laughs> That's the button! Yay! <laughs> That's too good to be the button. That's going in the I was going to say, can yeah. you take that and just replace what I was trying to say earlier and I didn't say it correctly? Yes. Yes. Wow. Aaron took our... our- show to a whole other level lauren thank you she won the show i think legally <laughs> lauren, the show i was is hers now <laughs> i think so no 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 oh no 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 i don't need that kind of responsibility yeah that is a lot <laughs> um i was telling julie though lauren before we started recording that i could i had a really hard time trying to narrow down my pb and jams Mm-hmm. I am going to give you guys the short list, and you can choose whether or not you want to use them as slap tracks in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Love that. Yeah, because I, I had some other good ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure you do. You have great taste in music words. She does. <laughs> oh, thank you. There have been a couple times, though, where you guys get to your PB and jams, and you mention a song, and just like you just did just now, for me, I'm just like, yes! Yes, 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 yes. That is a jam-worthy song yes. right there. And everybody Aww. should know about it. <laughs> yes, agree. I talk to you guys a lot when I listen to your podcast. Aww. Where's... I love... Can I tell you? My absolute favorite thing about doing this podcast is when my friends listen to it and they live text it to me. And you're by far my favorite when you do it. It's it's just so nice. <laughs> I love doing it, too. (laughs) Most times it's just all caps repeating verbatim whatever it was you just said that made me laugh. But I love it. You guys make me giggle. Whereas we've loved having you on the show. Oh, I have loved being here. Thank you for including me. Thank you for putting this podcast together during what is an otherwise very dark time in our modern history and our own, like, personal histories. So... This has been a serious bright spot. I really appreciate it. I feel connected to you guys, even though we've never been further away. I agree. So thank you for this. And Julie and I lived together for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. We brushed our teeth together for a year. We tucked each other into bed for a year. (laughs) And I feel more more connected with her. This is wonderful, and I hope you guys keep doing what you're doing, because I'm going to continue to listen and live tweet you. Or not tweet, but live text you. Yes. Whereas, we literally only do this show for That's you. That's true. <laughs> you're doing it for all your other newly added Patreon customers. All of the new Super Troopers and Swedish Meatballs that you got, courtesy of this show. <laughs> yeah, we've got some cool new friends. We do. Honestly, like the the people that have discovered our show and have talked to us like our friends steve and diego have been amazing like at just like wanting to share the joy of abba and it's it's really cool it's really fun yes did you guys see the 
um, the movie yesterday that was about the guy who everyone forgot about the Beatles. Oh, yeah, And no. he made their songs famous. <sighs> was it good? I don't want to give it away. But there's this one part where he finds two people who also remember the Beatles. And he thought that they were going to like call him out for taking credit for their songs. And they said to him, no, we wanted to thank you for making them popular mm-hmm. and for giving them the bringing them into the light the way that they deserve to be and right um we just love hearing them again kind of thing is what they said that's how i feel about abba and this and podcast being like a being a gathering point for everyone yeah. Yeah. yes oh so exciting i love this show and i love abba i really do me too they brought us together where's julie Thank you for the music. Thank you for the music. Especially you, Wars. The song's really good. Yes. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Aaron, for being on our show, making it that much better. And thank you to everybody out there for listening to our show, because you also make it better. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at ABBA Podcast, and on Twitter at ABBA Pod, and Become a supporter of the show at patreon.com slash tyftm. Just like Wars did. You can listen to our other episodes of Thank You for the Music at abapodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review the show. And as always, thank you for the music. The songs we're... Still. Singing. Yeah! I wasn't recording this whole time, guys. Lauren! Lauren! Rule number one!